You know, I don't know if a lot of you guys actually know my love story with Pastor Christian, um, but it's a bit of a complicated one, and it's one that's going to take a long time, so uh, I'm not going to share it. <laughs> but I will share one part. Um, pastor Christian, when I first met him, he wasn't a pastor. He was just a regular leader at the church. He was leading the prayer team at the time, and I was not a pastor, nor was I a leader. I was just a person, okay? And uh, I had no title. Uh, I was Aaron the Younger. And uh, when I met him, it was not love at first sight. Uh, just to be real here. Um, yeah, it was nothing like that at all. In fact, I pretty much despised him uh, when I first met him. I thought he was arrogant and full of himself. And um, he thought the same of me. He, he, to this day, he swears that I was really stuck up. Um, but eventually he and I, we began to really get interested in one another and, uh, we decided to go out Well, he asked me out and, uh, he asked me out on one spring evening. Um, he dropped me off home and, uh, I was sure that I was sure that I was sure that he was going to tell me, listen, I'm your, pr I ended up being coming a prayer team member. And I was so sure that he was going to tell me, it's obvious that you like me. And I need you to know that I am the prayer team leader and this can't be going on. So you just need to get over it. Uh, I could have sworn that was what was going to happen because one, my, my husband, he's, he was a, he's a, he's a holy man. Um, maybe not driving wise, but <laughs> other than the road rage, uh, he's pretty, He's pretty incredible, and he lived a life really fearing God. Me, on the other hand, you guys know my testimony. I, I was not like that. And so I thought for my whole life that he was only going to go for a girl that was like him, you know, one that had had it all together and whatnot. And so uh, I just never would have imagined that he would go for me. Anyway, so uh, he dropped me off one night, and he was talking about possibly going back home to New York. And uh, I sat in his car and right after he uh, stopped in front of my uh, apartment at the time, I turned to him and I was like, don't go, you should stay in Korea. Oh! And I shut the door and I ran out. Listen, first of all, let me tell you something, all right? I don't mean to toot my own horn, but when I was living pagan, I had game, all right? I knew what to do. I knew, listen, but... When it was time to do things according to the Lord, I was so awkward. I was so, like, I didn't know what to do. I was like, ah. And everything that I learned, I realized was wrong. And everything that I thought was the right way to get a man was wrong. And so when it was time to do it the right way, I had no idea what I was doing. So that was my way of saying, I like you. And so I was like, don't go to New York. Ah! And I ran out. And uh, he called. I remember I ran out, and I was like, I'm the biggest idiot. Like, I'm, that was real smooth. And he was like, Aaron, Aaron. And uh, I was like, oh, no. Now he's going to tell me, you know, calm down. <coughs> You're not the one. But uh, I walked back to the car, like, so embarrassed. And he rolled down his window, and he's looking at me. His face was bright red. And he has a vein right here, and it was, <laughs> it was pulsating like this. And he was just nodding. I don't know what he was nodding about, but he was just nodding with his vein like this. And he looked at me, he said, you want to grab, you want to grab dinner sometime? And I said, okay. <laughs> and, um, 
I know. It was, it was so romantic. And he was like, yeah, I'll call you. And I was like, okay. And I was like, yeah, I'll see you tonight. I mean, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. I mean, I'll see you. I'll see you when you call me. And he was like, I got to go by. And I ran out and I felt like the biggest idiot. Um, I went into the elevator of my apartment and pretty much hyperventilated for about like 15 minutes. <laughs> and I was like, what just happened? Uh, but I had a date. And so we dated and long story short, uh, what happened was my parents didn't approve. And uh, they didn't approve because he was a missionary at the time. He was raising support. And because I uh, was so young, I was 23. Uh, I was 23 when he first asked me out. And uh, they could tell by my voice and my attitude that we were serious. Like we weren't interested in dating. We were interested in finding out if this was going to, this marriage, if we could, you know, if he was my husband and I was his wife, et cetera, et cetera. And so, um, Although we fell into this time of really falling for each other, my parents grew more and more against the idea. And so we had a time of breaking up uh, to honor my parents. And then we got back together because my dad said, you can date, but don't get married. And I was like, I'll take it. And so <laughs> um, anyway, it was a huge time of testing for my faith. And I'm a big dreamer. And I remember one time uh, I had fallen asleep and I had a dream. And in this dream, I was at a payphone and I was calling my mom. My parents are in New York. And uh, I was calling my mom to speak to them in New York. And I started off, you know, long distance calls, they are costly. And so I'm talking to my mom on the phone and in front of me, I have like a bunch of change. And I start off with quarters and I'm popping quarters in. And, you know, I don't know if you guys remember payphones, all right, but in my day, all right, we used pay phones, and uh, when, especially with long distance, the, the operator would, you know, you know, you're running out of money, please insert, yada, yada, yada. And so as I'm on the phone with my mom, I hear the operator continuously telling me, you're out of money. And so I'm putting change in, and it starts off with quarters. And as a couple of minutes pass by, I see that I ran out of quarters, and then I start putting in dimes. And then I look, I ran out of dimes, and I start putting in nickels. And then I ran out of nickels, and all I had were pennies. And in my dream, the, I had such anxiety because all I could feel was I'm running out of money. That was the thought in my mind. I'm running out of money. And uh, I woke up kind of sweating and I was like, what? That was such a weird dream. What's going on? And I had no idea what it had meant. I knew that I had to do with my conflict with my parents. And uh, I knew that God uh, was trying to tell me something. But what was he trying to tell me? And so uh, later that week, Pastor Christian, he preached a message. And in this message, he said a, a saying that was very interesting. He said, faith is the currency of heaven. Faith is a currency of heaven. And when you began to say faith is a currency of heaven, I realized, oh, my gosh, in my dream, the money that I was putting into the payphone, it represented my faith. And I started off with lots of faith that my parents, their hearts were going to change and they were going to be on board and they were going to be excited. And slowly but surely, as time passed by, my faith started to get smaller and smaller. And I realized that my, what God was trying to show me was I believed I was running out of faith. Not that I was running out of faith, but that I believed I was running out of faith. That was my truth. That was my understanding. And that was my anxiety. That's the first time I've ever thought of the concept of faith being the currency of heaven. Listen, we live in a world where money is important. 
Okay. A lot of things that we do, the reasons why we do what we do, maybe even study the way that we study, go after the majors that we're going after is to make the money. Okay. Y'all are looking at me like, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I don't know if you guys remember this song. Uh, I was pretty young. It was with Mace and P Diddy. Mo money, more problems. You guys know? Thank you. Thank you. I thank you with a wave in the front. You know, you know, Mace, so deep. And P. Diddy, they just knew that money wasn't the answer. They said, mo money, mo problems. <laughs> and, uh, but regardless, we tend to kind of ignore that statement. And we say, no, more money, more solutions, more money, more happiness, more money, more joy, more money, more everything. I remember when I was in college, 50 Cent was really hot back then. And he was my, one of my favorite only because when it was somebody's birthday, you knew what song to play. Go, 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 shorty. It's your birthday. We're going to party like it's your birthday. Going to sip a party like it's your birthday. We're going to stop there, all right? <laughs> We're going to stop there, all right? But 50 Cent, he uh, had an album called Get Rich or Die Trying. And... You know, if I were to be real, that was pretty much me and my friends. It was, that was our motto in life. Get rich or die trying. I had a, I had a really good friend. He was scheming all the time about how to make money. Like he came up with the most craziest ideas. So it was continuous scheming plans. It was ridiculous. He had us doing them. One time he just was like, listen, if we buy like 500 lotto tickets, we're bound to win one. And so we all pulled money in and we're like, yeah, this is going to work. This is going to work. And we bought like five, like seriously a stack of one of those scratch lotto tickets. And we just sat there one night and we're like, it's going down. One of us is going to be a millionaire. We're going to split it. And we just scratched all night long. And yeah, we didn't win anything. All right. We basically won about maybe like 20% of what we put in back, you know, and, uh, but it was constantly, we got to get rich. We got to get rich. Why? Because so much of today's society says that money is the solution, but let's be real here. Money is powerful. I'm not here to tell you that it's not, it's powerful. That's why people live the way that they do. It has power. I know that I grew up in long Island with a lot of rich white Jewish people. Okay. And it was like, by the time my friends were in middle school, they were already wearing Prada bags, not Prado, Prada Prada bags. They already had extremely expensive clothing. Like it was legit. I remember I went to Korea one summer and I came back with the Prada bag that, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't, it was made in Korea, you know, <laughs> not in Italy. Right. And I thought I was like looking good in school. I was like, Hey, what's up? I was like, Hey, Allison, I like your bag. <laughs> you know, like I just thought like it was good. And I remember me and my girl, um, Megan, we were kind of jabbing back and forth. In New York, that's how you make friends. You make fun of one another. And we were just making fun of one another. And she was like, at least I don't have a fake Prada. And I was like, oh. <laughs> that was the last day I wore that bag. I was like, snap, she could tell. And, um, but, you know, I saw a lot of people have a lot of power in my neighborhood. Um, a lot of power in the government. A lot of influence. And, you know, if you guys know anything about Jewish people, they're a minority. And yet in my town, they had a lot of weight, a lot of power. Um, even in Korea, you'll notice that money is powerful. Uh, a lot of the people that work here in Hagwons, you'll notice that some parents try to sp uh, put some bribes to teachers. 
have my kids get some A's or A pluses. I remember when I first came to Korea, I came as a teacher. And my principal sat me down and she said, I need you to do us a favor. And I was like, all right. And she goes, you know that this school is like a family, right? And I was like, okay. And she goes, we're like a family. And so when we're in trouble, we need to help each other out. And I was like, all right, what do you want me to do? And she goes, well, we had a teacher who we were paying for after school English teaching. And we found out that they were actually here illegally. And so that person wants the money, but we can't give it to them. So what we want to do is put it in your account. And then we want you to sign a piece of paper saying you're the teacher. And then we want you to get the money, then take out the money and then give it to the right teacher. And I was like, um, I don't feel right about that. You know, I just don't feel really good about it. If they had asked me that to, you know, a couple of years before, I'd been like, all right, no problem. But I somehow built a conscience, you know, when I was turning back to the Lord and I was like, I don't know, signing something that I didn't do. It just didn't feel right. And then she looked at me and she said, how about this? How about we put the money in your account and you can keep it? Because they were in a serious situation. They just needed the paperwork to be filled out. She goes, just keep it. Keep the money then. And I was like, do-do, 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 do-do. How much exactly was that? No, okay. <laughs> no um, in that moment, I just knew, no way. I knew that if I got involved with something like that, I'd put a curse on my life. I'd put a financial curse on my life. Maybe I'd be up a thousand for a month, an extra thousand, but for the rest of my, you know, work in Korea, I knew that it would put a curse on me. And so I was like, no, there's no way I'm not interested. And she was furious. And man, that's when I got a taste. This was a public school, you guys. This was the principal of the school sitting me down, telling me, just keep the money. And I realized, wow, money has so much influence in today's society. We say that money can move resources in the world. And that's why so many people invest their time, their effort, their hard work into in building up more and more money in their lives. Well, money might be able to move resources on earth, but I'm telling you, faith is the only thing that can move resources in heaven. Faith moves heaven. Come on, tell your neighbor, say, faith moves heaven. Faith is the currency of heaven. There's nothing more powerful than what heaven has. Nothing more powerful. You know, there's a woman with the issue of blood who spent all of her money on every doctor. She's a woman that bled for 12 years. Can you imagine bleeding continuously for 12 years? That's crazy. She was so desperate. She spent all of her money, the word of God says, on doctors, on resources, and nothing could help her. She was a hopeless cause. And yet when she heard that Jesus was in town, something unlocked within her. And she said, you know what? I think this man could help me out. How do we know she had that faith? Because a woman who was bleeding should have been outcasted. There was Hebrew law. If you were bleeding, you were supposed to stay outside of the camp. Even women, when they were on their period, okay, I know. When they're on their period, they literally got booted out of the village, until they were done, and then they had to have a cleansing time, and then they were allowed back in. Okay? I know, it's crazy. Some husbands might wish that was still. <laughs> Suckers. Anyway. Well, one of, the, one of the husbands came up to me and was like, how do I handle PMS? Anyway, that's a different story. But, and so she was bleeding for 12 years, not a week, 12 years. And she... She wasn't allowed to be in the vicinity of all those people because she was considered unclean. 
And back in Hebrew law, when someone that was unclean touched someone that was clean, that person became unclean as well. And so she was in the crowd of people and she went, can you imagine being in a crowd? And she just pushed her way through touching everybody. Unclean, 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 unclean. And she reaches Jesus and she was like, he doesn't even need to talk to me. I just need to touch his robe. And she touches his robe and the power of God, boom, releases out of his clothing. And she instantly stopped bleeding and was healed. She spent all her money, nothing, one touch from Jesus, faith enough to just touch Jesus and 12 years of suffering and being an outcast completely done. You want to talk about investing in something that's worth anything? I'm talking about be a people that builds up your faith. Invest in building up your faith. You know, there's another example in Acts chapter 3. Turn with me there. Acts chapter 3. And we're going to look at verses 1 to 10. Can I get some water? Some cold water? All right, Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. I'll read one verse, and then y'all read the next verse. Here we go. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Well, we can just stop there. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. That's gangster. Can you imagine? Here's a beggar. He was lame from birth. He was laid at this gate, beautiful gate in front of the temple, begging every single day of his life. That's all he knew to beg. That's what he thought his life was going to be for the rest of the years on and on and on. It was going to be being placed, carried by the gate. Oh, you open. Thank you, Joseph. Oh, thank you, Lord. And uh, here comes Peter and John, and he is expecting just a couple of couple of coins a little bit of a little bit of change and right then and they just said silver and gold i don't have but what i have i give to you be healed in the name of jesus and boom immediately his ankles and his feet were made strong i'm talking about a currency that has so much more power than money i'm talking about a currency that has power to even handle money I'm talking about a currency that can do impossible things. Faith, there's nothing more powerful in the world than faith. Nothing more powerful. You know, the thing about heaven that you and I need to know is it's not moved by our needs. Heaven doesn't look down and say, oh, look at Stephen. He needs new haircut. <laughs> you know, this is a desperate situation. He's in dire need to get a trim. Bam! 
trim, you know, like they, heaven's not moved by needs. If heaven was moved by needs, we wouldn't see the problems that we see on this earth today. But heaven is moved by faith. And when a man or a woman of God access faith, all of a sudden the resources of impossibility come crashing down on earth. And what was deemed as impossible suddenly becomes possible. Especially for those of you that are getting ready to go home, you got to understand this. Because when you go back in old environments, old circumstances, things that haven't much changed while you are here in Korea, you're going to see a lot of needs everywhere. Oh, my friend needs revival. Oh, my mom needs Jesus. Oh, I need this. I need that. But you can, you can declare that all you want. Nothing will happen. It's only when you begin to speak the language of faith, when you begin to access the power of God, you got to understand that there's a greater currency. Faith moves heaven. But there's another currency out there, one that we're actually quite rich in, unfortunately. If faith moves heaven, let me tell you, fear moves hell. And faith can move the power of God, but fear can move the power of the devil. And a lot of us, for too long, we're too poor in our faith and too rich in our fear. And though it seems like faith and fear are opposites, in reality, they both have one thing in common. Both faith and fear ask us to believe in something that we can't see. You know, I remember when I first started driving, my mom was afraid. I mean, she was afraid. Like, she was in the car with me when I first drove. I had my permit with me. And for some reason, I got on the highway. And I was on the highway, and I had a huge truck to my left and a huge truck to my right. And I'm like, ah! like, just like operatic. Like, it was, and my mom was like, ah! like, the both of us at the same time. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die. 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 And my mom, after that, was like, do not drive, please. And she refused to teach me how to drive. She just refused. She was like, there's no way. So my brother ended up teaching me. Um, but um, before I went out with the key, she would always tell me, oh, my gosh. Um, if you drive, you're going to get into a car accident. If you do this, she would just begin to just freak out and tell me how scared she was and what was going to happen. That didn't happen yet, but that she was so confident that was going to happen because she just saw me bug out that one time. That one time, you know, I remember even when I was younger, I used, I was so afraid in terms of sickness. So whenever I got any sort of symptom, I began to activate fear. And so if I got a headache, I'd be like, I have cancer, you know? <laughs> Like I have a stomach ache. I'm like, I have a bug inside of me. And like every little thing, all of a sudden, I just had this supernatural ability to believe the worst. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how that came about, but I had this supernatural ability to, to believe the absolute worst about the situation. And I began to activate. And would you know that most of the times I ended up getting really sick because I believed it. There was a time in my life where winter would come and I'm like, oh yeah. I already know I'm going to get sick this winter because I just was one. I was the type of person that got sick always. Like I easily got sick. I got pneumonia. Like this, it was just easy for me to get sick. My parents would call me a sickly child. And so I would prophesy sickness over myself, you know, when the weather would get cold and whatnot. And of course it would happen. Why? Because fear, it's not just the time that we spend thinking thoughts, speaking words. Fear actually has power. Just like faith has power, fear has power. Fear has 
power to move the enemy. And the more you're afraid, the more powerful it becomes. The more you dwell on it, the more powerful it becomes. What you choose to believe, folks, is what gets activated. What do you want to activate today? Matthew chapter 9, verse 29 says, according to your faith, be it done to you. According to your faith. Let me rephrase that. According to what you believe, may it be done. So what do you believe? Do you walk around believing that God has got your back, that you can walk in complete victory, that you can overcome anything, that no matter what circumstances you're facing, that you got the power to overcome? Or do you walk around believing that, here we go again, I'm never going to get over this. I'm always going to be defeated in this. I'm always going to have a bad relationship with my mom. I'm never going to do well in school. I'm always going to be scrounging for money. I'm never going to, I'm never going to know what it's like to just have all my needs met. What are you activating? What are you dwelling on? You know, I lived life understanding the power of fear. When I first started Emmaus, this was a huge deal for me. I was, it was my first real ministry to be entrusted. I was, uh, in charge of newcomer welcoming team, what Rona was doing, right? I was doing that for a season. And then um, all of a sudden I got entrusted with the whole college ministry and I was freaking out. And I remember after even a year in of doing college ministry, I started getting repetitive dreams. And in these repetitive dreams, I'd be holding a baby and I love babies. And so, you know, it's not God speaks to me through babies, through dreams, okay? And so I'm holding this baby. Oh, you're so cute, you know? And all of a sudden, this baby's ridiculously heavy. And as, as I hold it, it just becomes heavier and heavier and heavier. And I'm like, no, boom. And the baby, boom, drops. And I'm just sitting there like, crap. Like, uh, it's me freaking out. And I had dreams over and over of me holding a baby and the baby being too heavy and dropping it. And I remember there was a season where I was deciding, should I stay with the Mayus or should I just beg my husband to give it to somebody else? Because I, I was feeling so inadequate to do this ministry. And I had a dream that I was holding a baby and I was at the subway and I was on the subway going to Shinchon and the doors open, but all of a sudden it starts closing and I'm like, oh no, I don't have enough time to go. And so I'm putting the baby through the door and I hand it off to like some random dude, right? And I'm like, here, and he catches it. And I woke up thinking, God is telling me the time has come. (laughs) The time has come for me to move on and do something else because I suck at college ministry. I was so convinced. Uh, No, that didn't happen clearly. But I realized, man, the more I decided to believe in my fears, the more I began to activate my inability to do this ministry. The more I began to activate my inability to speak directly to students, to empower my staff. And I had some really difficult semesters before, uh, you know, this semester. Yet I understood later on that that's not what God was telling me at all. In fact, those dreams weren't prophetic dreams. Those dreams are dreams that were soulish And a soulless dream is basically a dream that doesn't say God's truth. It speaks what you think is true. And so it showed not what's true, but what I thought was true. And what I thought was true was I didn't have enough strength. My arms were too weak to hold this ministry. 
I used to have so many reoccurring dreams of going back to high school and it's final exam time. And I realized going to school that I have cut class the whole semester. And now it's time to take the final. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to fail. 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 And it's anxiety. Like I wake up sweating and I'm just like, praise the Lord. It was just a dream. Reoccurring. I've had other dreams. I had one dream where I got my report card. It was like a progress report. And it was like, and I was so nervous about math because math has always been my weakest subject. And so I'm like thinking, I'm going to fail math. And then I look at my progress report and everything looks okay. But there's one subject that says in danger of failing, right? In danger of failing. And I look and it says Bible study. And I woke up like, <gasps> where's my Bible at? <laughs> oh man, I, I've had dreams galore that just highlighted what, how much fear I lived with. Fear that consumed me. You know, fear is powerful. Fear has the ability to rob us of our joy. It has the ability to exaggerate situations that aren't even that bad. Just because you're afraid, all of a sudden you think you are about to die. The world is crashing on you just because you are afraid of something. Fear has, in fact, people have mental disorders because of fear. Paranoia. I knew of someone who had so much fear that she swore that people, when she would sit in a restaurant, that everybody was talking about her. Everybody was laughing at her. Everybody was making fun of her. It drove her literally to mental illness, and she lived life afraid. In fact, she was so afraid for the past two years, she locked herself in her apartment, and she never went out. That person is actually my cousin, and she's someone that I've been continuously praying for. I'm about to see her in July, and it's going down. <laughs> she's going to get set free. And, um, but it was, can you, you understand how demonic that is? She's so afraid she can't even leave her apartment. She walks out and she hears clicking noise. She swears that people are taking pictures of her. She's so ridden with fear. Maybe that's not the, our situation. We're not that extreme, but still fear. It clouds our judgment. Fear causes us to make decisions that make no sense. Fear causes us to push away people that we need to really be embracing. It causes us to walk away from, uh, you know, opportunities that we should really be taking. The funny thing is, it takes just as much energy to be afraid than it does to believe in God. It takes just as much energy to believe in the devil and what he can do than it does to believe in God and what God can do. And I want to ask you, your faith, who are you believing in? Are you believing in the devil or are you believing in God? Because when you trust your circumstances, when you trust the scary thoughts that you think sometimes, trust me, you are empowering somebody. And that somebody is not God. What are you believing? Which stock are you investing in? Are you putting your money, are you putting your time in faith? Or are you putting your money and your time in fear? Fear, it intensifies every problem. Faith intensifies every testimony. And so I want to tell you guys, be rich. 
get rich, be loaded, be overflowing, not with money, but with a currency that's so much more powerful. A currency that doesn't just believe in the power, that doesn't believe in the power of the enemy, but a currency that believes in the power of our Heavenly Father. I want you to be rich in faith. Turn to your neighbor and just say, be rich in faith. Come on, tell him, I want to be rich in faith. All right, so I'm going to talk about four ways to get rich. Y'all want to know the secrets to getting rich, you know what I'm saying? Number one, do not listen to 50 Cent, okay? No, okay, okay, okay. (laughs) He will give you bad advice. All right. Number one, watch your language. Watch your language. Some of you guys have already listened to um, my language of faith message. If you haven't, check it out. It's a good word. But for those of you that haven't listened to it yet, watch your language. What you speak has power. There's power of death and life in the tongue, the word of God says. So when we sit around saying, man, I'm going to fail. Or man, I'm going to, this isn't going to work out. Or man, this never works out for me. Or man, this, this money isn't going to come through. Or you know what? I'm never going to get this ticket. Or I'm never going to, yada, 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 yada. What you say has power. I don't care about what you see. Because listen, even when you're afraid, you're still speaking in something you haven't seen yet. You're still believing in something you haven't seen yet. And so are you going to be speaking a language of fear or a language of faith? You got to speak the language of faith. That means speaking stuff that doesn't make sense. My relationship with my mom is awesome. That's a true statement. But I used to say that in faith when it wasn't awesome. When it was terrible, I used to say, no, I love my mom. No, my mom loves me. No, God's restoring my relationship with my parents. No, God is restoring my relationship with my brother. The way that I began to speak, see, you speak from an overflow of your heart. And if you were to record everything that you spoke, even this week alone, it'll be a very clear indication of what you believe. So if what comes out of your mouth tends to be more complaining more fear-based language, it's an indication of where your heart is at. Watch your language. You know, I remember hearing about um, my friend who would have soap pumped into her mouth. And it wasn't like a bar soap. It was like dishwashing like the pump. I was like, snap. That's <laughs> Whenever she would curse or, you know, speak back to her mom because it was just, you know, you're, you're not supposed to curse in the house Korean parents, they, they don't do that. Um, uh, they get a stick and um, uh, they take out their hand. And you know what I mean? Uh, my mom was, she was more creative than that. It was w- whatever was near her, you know? So I was like, it was, you know what I mean? Or that's why I try not to mess with her in the kitchen, you know? And just if we're in the kitchen, I lead her, you know, to the living room. I'd be like, yeah, mom. Well, <laughs> you know, kind of lead her to where the pillows were, where she, you know, I don't know what she would find, but, you know. But my mom would, you know, I would hear my friends just say, watch your language. You know, my friend's parents, just watch your language. Watch what you say. Watch what you say. Number one, invest in faith by watching what you say. Watch your language. The second thing that I want to say is switch the channel. Switch the channel. Um, I am unfortunately a huge TV person. Like, if I have any free time, I will spend it on the sofa 
in front of the TV with the remote control. And I'm just one of those people that like when it's commercial time, I'll watch another show. Like I could watch like three shows at the same time. You know what I mean? And I'll just catch bits and pieces. Like I just grew up with TV. It's something that God really had to work. You know, you know, I remember literally I had to make a commitment to stop watching TV because I watched it all the time. Um, when I was living in Korea by myself, it was one of those things where I don't listen to music a lot. So it's, you know, some people when they wake up, they put some music on and, you know, they feel their, me, it's TV. So as soon as I w- wake up, I turn on the TV and I just kind of like sit there and watch it and then like rub my eyes and slowly, you know, take the blanket off. And I just kind of grew up with loving TV. And so, you know, uh, I have a, a, an amazing ability of switching the channel, you know, whenever something is uh, a dumb show or something scary. I can't handle scary movies. So anything that is scary, especially an Asian scary, you know, with like the hair across the head and then just a little bit parted and like the red bloodshot eyeballs and like the white, like glowing. I'm just like, ah! I just like can't, I never did well with scary anything. So it just freaked me out. So I'm just switch the channel, but we got to also switch the channel. You know, you know what I'm talking about in terms of our thoughts, you know, I don't know about you, but I tend to daydream. I tend to think about what's my day going to be like, what's my summer going to be like, you know, when I visit home, man, what is it going to be like? And I think thoughts, And a lot of times, sometimes I start thinking about thoughts that are uh, kind of sourced by fear. And I imagine me and my mom like, you know, or, or my friend, you know, like rejecting me or, you know, something where it doesn't go well, you know, praying for someone and, you know, them getting angry or trying to evangelize and people shutting the door in my face. You know, I start thinking certain thoughts and what I've learned is God just told me, you got to switch the channel in those moments. I'll put it in one easy Bible verse, take captive every thought. That's what it means to switch the channel. If you want to live a life of faith, if you want to live a life accessing the power of faith, you got to understand the power of switching the channel. It's not about getting the thought. Sometimes people get the thought and they're like, oh, I'm so evil. You know, like what's wrong with me? And I'm thinking about it. No, no, no. It's not about that. Get the thought and just switch, switch it. Like, all right, that's a terrible thought. Next You know, no, let me think the exact opposite of that. And let me tell you, not all your thoughts are your thoughts. Some of those crazy random thoughts are actually because of the enemy himself. I remember I was, listen, I was in Korea. God totally transformed my life. I was walking with the Lord. And one day I was standing in front of the subway waiting and I had this thought, just jump. Just jump. And it was so out of nowhere. I was not suicidal. I was very happy with my life. You know, God was doing so many amazing things. Why am I standing in front of the subway and thinking, just jump? And I realized, man, the devil is a liar. How many people, you know, stand in front of the subway and think that thought and not switch the channel and stay on that channel and think, well, maybe I should. Who would care if I did, you know, and they began to play that tape of just no one loves me. No one cares about me. Woe is me. Not because not and with a thought that didn't even start with them. We have to understand how powerful the mind is and we got to learn how to switch the channel. Don't watch the movie of fear. When you see things play out and it's played out in in a way that is terrible, change the channel. Imagine it playing out completely different where things work out, where things happen, where God moves, where God intervenes. And as your mind begins to dwell on those things, your heart will begin to get rooted in those thoughts. 
It's so important to keep your mind in check. You know, I want to really encourage you guys. That's also literally with what you see. You know, with what you choose to see on TV or, you know, what you choose to see in the movie theaters. Whether you realize it or not, it is feeding something into you. And you're getting a mirage of thoughts. And you are going to have to filter a lot out. There's certain shows that I love and I eventually have to filter, you know. And then there are other things where there's just too much garbage and not enough substance, you know. And it's just like, this is stupid. Why am I watching this? I remember watching Korean dramas with um, my husband. We were dating at the time and we were watching um, um, Is that what it is? That's the one with the brother and the sister. Yeah, me and my brother saw a little bit of that together and we're like, yo, like my parents, my parents were, uh, we were watching it as a family. It's a story of a brother and a sister that grew up, but they weren't really brother and sister. And later on they fall in love, right? And so me and my brother are like watching the cute scenes when they're little. And we're like, oh, and later on we're like, oh, whoa. You know, they're like wiping the window and like touching hands. And I'm like, snap. And me and my brother are like, you want to go? And I'm like, yeah, let's go. And we ended up watching a movie. <laughs> I was like, let's leave right now. So awkward. Um, but Christian and I were watching dramas. And I kid you not, I don't know why. But when we were watching these dramas, I started to pick fights with him. About nothing. And I don't know why, but I knew, I knew it was because of the drama. Like, in my mind, I was like, this is how relationships are supposed to be. You're supposed to fight about stupid things. And he's supposed to grab my arm. And it's supposed to rain. And I'm supposed to run. And I'm supposed to, you know, like, you know, or like, I don't know. Like, I'm supposed to, like, in my mind, what I thought was a beautiful, it started to get distorted. You know what I'm saying? What you begin to see, what you fill yourself with begins to determine what's right. And so switch the channel is not just about your thoughts. I want to say switch the channel when it comes to what you watch. You know what I'm saying? Then all y'all addicted to Korean dramas, you know what I'm saying? Listen, I understand. I understand, but that's not real life. Okay, real life is not rain pouring down and you looking into each other's eyes. And you know what I mean? Like, that's not real life. Real life doesn't solve problems like that. Watch your language. Switch the channel. The third one is going to be hard. It's change your friends. Stay with me here. Change your friends. You want to talk about people that influence you? You can tell who a person wants to become by the people they hang out with. Who do you hang out with? Who do you spend your time with? What language are they speaking? Do not get me wrong. I am open to hanging out with anybody from any background, any religion, any, it doesn't matter. On my heart, I am down to love on anyone. But trust me when I say, I don't let them influence me. I influence them. But when it's time to let my guard down and connect with some people for real and let them speak into my life, you better be sure that I'm only going to give that access to certain people, people that I know are living lives of faith, people that I know that have, you know, an incredible relationship with God, people that I know that are already moving in the supernatural. Their words have greater impact on me. 
See, when I meet with those people, listen, I go evangelizing. I hit up the bars. I'll sit there. I'll get a drink, and I'll minister to people. I am down with meeting up with anybody, and I can love anyone. But like I said, I'm the light, and wherever I go, wherever I go, God's light shines through me. I'm not the one being transformed. But you got to understand, if all you do is hang around with the wrong kind of people, you're the one that's being transformed. You're not transforming anybody. It's not about just changing what you say, changing what you think. For some of you guys, you got to change your friends. Why? Because your friends are constantly worrying, constantly afraid, constantly speaking death, constantly speaking, oh, this is not going to work out well. Oh, trust, you shouldn't do that because that's not going to go down well. You shouldn't say that because it's not going to happen. You shouldn't talk to her because it's, it's constantly speaking into your life words of death and not words of life. And you wonder why you walk around so discouraged and so confused. I'm not talking about getting rid of your friends. I'm not talking about dissing people. I know that there are people that you care about, but I'm talking about giving access only to certain people when it comes to who influences you. Who do you spend majority of your time with? Some of y'all just need to change your friends. In fact, one of the biggest reasons why I can stand here in front of you today is because I made that decision. That's why I left New York. I had to leave New York because I had a group of friends who I love and who I care about. But every time I was with them, all I would do is get high, drink, party. That's it. And no matter how hard I tried to be the light around them, in reality, at the end of the day, they were the ones convincing me. They were the ones leading me. They were the ones prophesying over me, ministering to me, but not the ways of the Lord. Let me tell you, I had to make a hard decision to let some of them go. And listen to this. Now, now they come to me for help. After all these years of strategic separation, I'm not talking about just dissing people, strategic separation I've reconnected with so many of those friends and they now know what I do. And when they go through hard times, I get Facebook messages that are so long asking me, listen, I know that you're living life happy right now. What do I do? Because I'm miserable. And now who's influencing who? It may seem like you don't love your friends. That's why you're ditching them. But actually I love them and I separated myself from them. And now I can actually love them that much more. So many of them, I have so many testimonies of friends that I've been able to pray for, that I've been able to prophesy over, that I've been able to speak into their lives. So many people that I used to go clubbing with, drinking with, that I used to get high with, I would be the one to like, come on, let's smoke tonight. And now I'm like, come on, let's pray. Why? Because at that point in my life, my light was so dim. I wasn't shining anything. I needed to separate and I needed to get brighter and brighter and brighter and now no matter what area of darkness I go to, I shine. Strategic separation. I didn't tell them, you're a bad influence. This relationship is over. Okay, I'm not telling you to do that. Or my pastor said, I shouldn't hang out with you. Don't do that, all right? And don't mention me, because that's not even what I'm trying to say, all right? But I am saying, hey, you want to hang out tonight? It's Friday night. You want to go to the club? Maybe the wise decision is, no, not tonight. 
You know what I'm saying? Let's just grab lunch in the afternoon when we're sober and have a conversation. I'm talking about making wise decisions, making wise choices, and spending time with right people. Y'all with me right now? It makes a big difference. There was a time where I was surrounded by people that only complained. Like constantly. You know that fear and complaining is contagious, right? That's why when we go on missions in New Philly, we do not let people complain. Because if one person starts complaining, everybody, oh, it's so hot. Oh, yeah, it is so hot. It's so hot. Like, you weren't even thinking about it. All of a sudden, everybody and their mom are like, I can't handle it anymore. But if you have a person that's positive, that positivity starts getting contagious as well. Man, I, this is amazing. I can't believe we're here. Like, yeah, this is amazing. Who, it, you know what I'm saying? It makes such a big difference. So watch your language. Switch the channel. Change your friends. And the last one is invest your time. Invest your time. You know what, what bugs me is when people think that spending time at church, spending time at small groups, spending time, you know, in a familia is a waste of time. Or it's at the bottom, which means when you're busy, it's the first thing to go. That really grieves my heart. Those people, it's studying is the most important. Listen, don't get me wrong. Studying is so important. In fact, that's your area of ministry right now. God has entrusted you to be a student. You need to be a good student. You need to do it with the spirit of excellence. But studying should never, ever, ever be more important than investing in your faith. I don't care how much you think your grades is going to get you. Faith gets you so much farther. I don't care how much you think a school is going to provide a good job for you. Faith provides so much more. Faith opens up doors that your college degree, your area of experience cannot open. You want to think logically? Trust me, investing in faith is a better stock to invest in. Your studies is good, and it will get you far, but it will not get you as far as faith can. And we say the logical thing is, you know what? Oh, small group, can we? It's midterms. It's finals. I got to study. What you're saying is studying has more power in my life. My grades are going to have more power in my life than my ability to pray, than my ability to read the word, than my ability to, to interpret the word or access the word. You're saying that your books, your grades have more power. And I'm telling you today that that's a small level currency. If someone were to offer you dollars, hundred dollars versus a hundred one, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's a no brainer. Unfortunately, too many of us go under the deception that faith is so weak, that faith is so powerless, that prayer is so useless, that prayer doesn't do anything. And that's the deception I want so badly to break tonight. Invest your time in building your stock. Invest it. That means even if your parents are saying, why are you going to church all the time? Just say, listen, mama, it's because I got to build up my faith. Why do you got to go to small group? Let's hang out. We never get to hang out anymore. I never see you. 
like, I thought we were friends. Like, we never see each other anymore. That's messed up. You know, like, or family. How come I never see you? I'm not talking about being an off-balance person, but I am talking about having good priorities. And I'm talking about not letting, not letting things that build up your faith be the bottom. How you spend your time and your money. How you spend, where your money is, is where, where your treasure is, is where your heart is, the word of God says. Money is time, isn't it? How you spend your time, it shows what you care about. It shows what's important to you. Trust me, investing your time on things that build up your faith, investing your times on listening to the word, going to a service, meeting up with a leader and sharing your heart, investing your times are priceless. That is priceless. Faith is so, so powerful. If fear distorts your perspective, faith clarifies it. If fear brings confusion, faith brings clarity. I was in the cafeteria uh, just now in Cafe Kini, and I was sitting next to two girls, and they were discussing their summer plans, and they're like, you know what? I don't know what the F I'm going to do this summer because I have this option to blah, 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 blah. And they were going on and on. And this girl, my heart broke, broke for her because she was stressed out. She was literally like, I don't know what to do. I can do this or I can do that, but I don't know. And then her friend was trying to give her advice. It was janky. If I wanted to just be like, don't listen to a word she just said. What she needed to do is, but she was under so much confusion and so much anxiety and so much stress. It was literally like she had like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I just wanted to just reach out my hand and just hold her. And be like, there, there. <laughs> there, there, little one. She was confused because she was afraid. Everything that came out of her mouth was what she was afraid was going to happen. If I go here, then this might happen. But if I go here, then this might happen. And if I do this, then this might happen. And if I do that, everything was fear-filled. And no wonder she was so dang confused. But faith... Faith brings such clarity in our lives. Listen, I know that school is important, and I know that making money is not an option. You guys need to make money, okay? I'm not teaching you to be poor and to live out of a cardboard box, all right? That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm also not telling you to get F's in school because school doesn't matter, according to Pastor Aaron. No, I'm not saying that. But I am saying there's one thing that's so much more powerful than all of those things. There's one form of currency that opens up impossibility in your lives. It's worth investing your time in. It's worth changing your language for. It's worth changing your thoughts for. It's worth changing your friends for. And that is faith. I want you guys to just close your eyes with me. You know, the reason why I decided that this is the message that needed to be preached for the last large group is because a lot of you are about to confront circumstances. A lot of you are about to confront going back home. A lot of you are going to go back home just for this summer. You're about to confront family. You're about to, you're about to confront 
situations where you have a choice. Am I going to have faith or am I going to be fearful? And I just so badly from the bottom of my heart want you guys to experience the freedom that comes from faith. So badly from the bottom of my heart want to see you experience things that would have been impossible. Would have been impossible. But because you believed, it happened. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 9, it says, if you're not firm in faith, you won't be firm at all. If you're not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. I'm not interested in you guys being tossed and turned by every wind, every situation, tossing, being left to right to left to right. My heart is that you guys will be firm, unmovable, unshakable in your understanding and the revelation of God's love for you and his desire to provide everything that you need. Matthew chapter 7, it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Luke 17, 5 to 6 says, the apostle said, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. I want you all to activate faith and not fear. So I'm going to give you guys a moment just to respond. Some of you have been dealing with a lot of fear. And maybe it's fear that all of a sudden is coming at you with, you know, whatever may, you may be um, confronting soon or facing soon. Or it's always been like that. You've always been afraid of everything and anything. But I just feel like tonight it's done. The expiration date for your fears today, you guys, No more. Fear cannot rob your joy anymore. Fear can't rob your time. It can't rob your clarity. It can't take away your relationships. It can't take away the opportunities that God's trying to give to you. No more can fear have a power over you in your life. It stops today. It stops today. And so if that's you and you've been struggling with fear, I want you to just stand to your feet. And I want just everybody who's sitting, I want you to just gather around someone that's standing and I want you to just kind of stretch out your hand towards them. And I want you guys to begin to pray and I want you, listen, it's a choice, y'all. You choose. You choose what you're going to believe in. And I want each of you that are standing, I want you to make a commitment, God. I'm going to commit to choose you. I'm going to commit to activate faith and not fear. I'm going to commit to investing in faith and not fear. I'm going to commit to making the changes I need to make in order to increase my faith. And so I want you guys to just begin to pray. And all those that are praying for those that are standing, I want you to just pray with them. God, encourage them. God, break the spirit of fear. I release increase of faith. Come on, just lift up your voices. And I want you to just begin to pray.